You are listening to the sermon audio of New Hope Community Church in Canaan, New Hampshire. For more information, visit our website at newhopecommunity.net. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So according to our memory verse this year, we're to be desiring that we each move closer to full maturity. And as I was thinking about, that would mean that all of us have a desire to have a deeper knowledge of what Scripture says on all areas of life. And probably one of the ones that tends to be most sensitive in some regards among believers is the area of tithing and giving. Uh, And that's something that periodically as a congregation, we want to go back to and and always re-examine. It doesn't always indicate there's a problem, uh, but it's saying we want to have a full understanding of of all scripture. Uh, Reminds me of, of the story of a pastor who was just beginning a series on tithing and giving, and a visitor came up to him right after the service and said, this is why I don't like church. All you do is talk about money. You know, how long is this going to go on? And the pastor replied, well, probably another three weeks, Uh, you know, implying he had a series that he was doing. Well, I'd like to talk about tithing and giving for the next two weeks. Because I think it is an important area that as a congregation, we we do want to regularly go back to, just to remind ourselves to look at it again and say, not just what what do you think this means, but what does scripture tell? Because we want the full understanding of God's word. And so in order to do that, what we're going to do this morning is look at the Old Testament perspective on tithing and giving. Next Sunday, we'll look at the New Testament perspective on tithing and giving and see if we can come to a better understanding of how the Word of God together uh, gives us sound teaching in this area. So we're in the book of Malachi. So what we're going to do is actually work backwards through the Old Testament. And we're looking at three key periods in Israel's history that give us instruction on, on tithing. So from the book of Malachi, the first epical historical period we're going to look at is tithing in the historical or historic and prophetic books in the Old Testament. 
So tithing in the historic and prophetic books of the Old Testament. And so as you come to Malachi chapter 3, uh, you may already be aware of a little bit about the background of Malachi. Uh, Malachi is a prophet of the Lord. Uh, this is how the Old Testament canon is going to close. And so the very last word in Malachi is cursed. In other words, here are the people of God under God's judgment because of repeated disobedience. But also the book of Malachi addresses the spiritual lethargy of the people of God. So it, it, it's a very sort of distressing book in that there's a major problem spiritually among the children of Israel. Uh, they, they've gone back to the land of Jerusalem. So the Babylonian captivity has happened about 100 years before this. They've come out of that. They're back. They have the temple. But, but spiritually, they're, they're going through the motions, but there's not real joy. And, and that's going to be reflected in their tithe and their giving. Also, we know that a big responsibility for this is going to fall back on the priests. So Israel's spiritual leaders haven't been doing their job. They, they haven't been instructing the people like they should. And that doesn't excuse God's people from failing to tithe and give. But it adds to the responsibility of those who are spiritual leaders should have been doing what Colossians 1.28 says, moving them forward to a deeper understanding and maturity. So with that said, look with me at Malachi 3, verses 8 and 9. And we are reminded that when you think of tithing, that God is worthy of our tithes and offerings. So that might seem very self-evident, but we want to realize that's at the backdrop of the criticism and rebuke here of the priests in failing to teach this, that God is worthy of our tithes and offerings. And so you notice in verse 8, in the book of Malachi, you have God raising these questions, and then he gives the response of what he knows the people are going to say in reply. And so verse 8, he says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? Then God speaking, he says, but you ask, how do we rob you? In other words, that response that God is saying, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, how are we ever guilty of robbing God? You know, we're back in the land. The temple is there. Uh, they're even showing up for services, and they are giving tithes and offerings. So it's not that they have completely abandoned that. They're giving them, as you see, but, but there's a much deeper issue here. But imagine that the, the question there that God says, you will say to me, how do we rob you, should shock us because it reveals the people's complete unawareness of this, that, that this is even on their radar screen, that somehow we're, we're not giving the way that you are worthy of, that, that we're not, and this is not dealing with right here an amount you're giving, but is dealing with, as we'll see, a heart attitude behind this. So there's a shocking unawareness on the part of the people. Now, why didn't they know this? Well, if you just flip the page and look at Malachi 2 and verses 7 and 8, God lays the responsibility both at the feet of the people 
but primarily at the feet of the priests. In Malachi 2, 7 and 8, he says, For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. So notice that this ought to come, this ought to be how a priest teaches. Verse 8, but you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. And it is a sad reality that in, in many churches, tithing and giving is not even talked about at all. Uh, I can tell you as a pastor, and, and I'm certainly thankful because I don't feel this way with the congregation God's blessed me with, but, but in some churches, you preach on tithing and giving, and it's going to lead to two opposite responses. Either people will be upset with you, or they'll feel you didn't come down strong enough on, on how much everyone should be giving. And so even as I looked at, again, just kind of doing this routine checkup for us and the health of our church, I had to realize my goal here isn't to just come and say, well, here's the dollar amount that you need to be doing, but to simply step back and say, let's make sure we understand tithing and giving from an Old Testament perspective, a New Testament perspective, and how they do completely present what I would say would be solid guidelines for, for each of us in Christ. So God is worthy of our tithes and offerings. But there's something else. If you look at verse 10, or excuse me, down at verse, verse 8 and then verse 10. Notice it says in verse 8, but you ask me, how did we rob you? And then most translations have in tithes and offerings. That should really be read in the tithes and the offerings. In other words, there's specific tithes, specific offerings, which have already been laid out by God in the law of God. So it's in those specific prescribed tithes and offerings that they have been negligent. And then going on to verse 10, would support how the people were still coming to the, the temple. So the issue isn't, as I said earlier, they had not abandoned giving. So this might explain why they seem somewhat shocked when God says, you're robbing me. Their reply would have been, what do you mean by that? We're, we're bringing gifts. We're, we're bringing animals. Now, if you read the whole book of Malachi, you find out even some of the animals they were offering, they wouldn't even offer them to like a governor because they'd be embarrassed by it. But they were content to give that to God. But you notice in verse 10, it says, bring, not just bring the tithe, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. In other words, that would match that there were certain tithes they were doing, but there were other tithes that they should have been bringing and they were not. They were excluding God from access to those particular resources that they had. And so that kind of gives us a good perspective, I think here, of, of how tithing looked in this particular period of the historic prophets and the books of the prophetic books in the Old Testament, 
the, the latter books that we see, um, you know, later on. As well, kind of see here, God's promise in verse 10 is that he will pour out blessings on them if, if they do this. Now, you'll notice the list of blessings are very specific to what we often see in the Old Testament. Your crops will grow. You will have rain. Uh, all of these other physical things will be an indication that God has received and accepted what you have offered. And clearly in those offerings, the blessings there could be pointing us to what we see in Malachi 4, some of those more eschatological, like the, the fullest blessings that will be revealed later on in Christ Jesus. So we can conclude from Malachi, we could also look at, um, on your own, you could look at number, uh, Nehemiah chapter 10, sort of presents the same almost a multi-tier system of tithing that, that was a part of God's law to the people of Israel. So it included more than just, as we'll see, their, their finances, but, but aspects of their land, their animals, and the fruit. So what, what should we conclude just by looking at this first slice into Old Testament history? Well, maybe we should include that giving is to honor God and display one's trust in God. So looking at that, kind of this multi-tiered tithing system given by God to his people, it was to remind them God is to be honored and it is a display of our trust in God. So now we'll turn our attention to a, a second period in the Old Testament, again, working backwards now, and that is tithing in the Mosaic law. So you think of Moses, the law received at Sinai. Uh, so turn with me to Deuteronomy 14. Deuteronomy 14. And, and if we're looking for pockets in the Old Testament where you have a lot of references to tithing, giving, that would be in the Mosaic Law in particular, in the books such as Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. There, there's a whole bunch of examples in there. So we're just pulling one in particular out, and that is Deuteronomy 14 and verses 22 through 29. So I'm going to read this and, and just be listening to if you hear anything that sounds similar to what we saw in the previous stage in the historic and prophetic books. So here, the, the law of Moses, remember that Deuteronomy sometimes is called the second law, repetition of the law, God's repeating, summarizing what he gave them in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers to prepare them for going into the promised land, for how they should live as the people of God. So Deuteronomy 14, beginning of verse 22 be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. And it's a given for, for most of us, we know the word tithe comes from this Hebrew word, which means a tenth of. So it goes on and says, eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. 
so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, and anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So Deuteronomy reinforces the practice of tithing and giving. And you'll notice, though, what this tithe includes. It, it's more than just finances. It, it's everything. Uh, it includes portions of your land, portions of your fruit. Notice that this thought of if you have to travel too far, you can sort of redeem that tithe for money so you can purchase what you need when you get there. That's sort of the context behind in Jesus's day when you have that selling of things in the temple was meeting this purpose. But it got way out of hand, but it was to provide for those who traveled who couldn't bring their sacrifices with them, they could purchase them on site. And so we're reminded here as we look at, at this particular scene that tithing here, again, included a Levitical tithe. So if you remember in Israel's history, the Levites are set aside, not all every Levite, but Levite males who are called to, to be priests they do not receive any land. All the other tribes were given allotments of land. The Levites depend on the tithe from the tribes. That is God's provision for the Levites in their service to the Lord. And so you have this Levitical tithe that is a part of what Deuteronomy talks to. Then there's also the, we might call it the festival tithe, the tithe you give to be able to engage in the religious festivals determined by God's law. And then in, noticed in Deuteronomy 14.28, you have this third tithe that may have alternated at this time of year with some have called it a poor man's tithe. This tithe that would be taken to not just provide for the Levites, but, but the poor among you, uh, the fatherless, the widows. So if you, if you start thinking about that, that kind of raises this issue. Well, if tithe means a tenth, was the Old Testament saying you only need to give a tenth of your finances? Or was it saying you needed to give a tenth of everything? Because if you look at this scene here, many would argue based on that, you had many people in Israel being required to give upwards of 20 to 23 percent 
of their net worth, you might say, to God. So either way you look at this, so far in both periods, we see there's, there's multiple tithes. Uh, many of these tithes are commanded by God, so it's not an option. And yet we're also going to see that there are some tithes that appear to be more like vows or voluntary, that once one commits to that, they must do that. In fact, in the book of Numbers, you have a requirement that if you vow to do something and then don't give it to God, you're to add, in a sense, almost like a surcharge on that because there's a penalty because you said you would do this and you choose not to. And again, this is something you'll see come up as an abuse in the New Testament when Jesus comes along. And he says that, you know, the Pharisees are saying, you can claim, you can give this to the temple, and then you don't have to use it to help your parents out, that, that you're trying to get around the clear teachings of Scripture. So in this period of the Mosaic Law, we see, once again, the importance of the practice of tithing and giving. But also, there's another clear purpose to it. And so in Deuteronomy 14, you may have noticed what it said in verse 23 at the end of that verse, so that indicates the purpose. Why, why is God doing this? Clearly, God does not need the money. God does not need the land. He does not need animals. He's not going hungry. But, but notice the purpose, so that you might learn to revere the Lord your God always. So we saw in the historic prophetic, it was to show us that God is worthy of all honor, that we are to trust and depend on him. Deuteronomy emphasizes this is to remind us to have a right fear and reverence for God, uh, a proper recognition that all things come from him. So we could conclude, what does tithing look like in the Mosaic law? Well, it, it is to be an act of worship. It's not to be some dry formality, but it's an act of our worship. And in a sense, you could argue that tithing, again, assuming the right heart attitude here, as well as obedience to God's law, would actually meet the two greatest commandments and the summary of all the law. So you may recall in Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, which of these is the greatest commandment? And he replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. From what we just read in Deuteronomy 14, tithing would fulfill that. You're showing your love for God, obedience to him. And these tithes also support the Levites, and they support those who are needy and poor among you. So a good picture of how tithing fit in in the Mosaic Law. But we have one final period, which takes us all the way to the first book in the Old Testament, to Genesis. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. And so we've looked at working backwards, tithing in the historic and prophetic books of the Old Testament. Then we moved toward 
tithing in the Mosaic law, which brings us into the first five books of the Old Testament. But now we look at what, what did tithing look like before the law? So prior to the law coming, what, what, what role, what examples do we have of tithing? And, and we only have two in the book of Genesis. The first one involves Abraham or Abram at this point. So in Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20, you have this fascinating scene with his uh, encounter with Melchizedek. Uh, and we can always talk about who Melchizedek is. There's a number of different possibilities among that. But, but that wouldn't change the, the tie that happens here and maybe what we can glean from that. So Genesis 14, and I'll read verses 18 through 20. Uh, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And so here I have Abram offering a tithe unto Melchizedek. And what we see here is true of all tithing and giving in the Old Testament is that tithing and offerings, giving, always move in the direction from the lesser to the greater. So in other words, if Abram is offering this to Melchizedek, that's indicating that Melchizedek is of greater standing and honor than Abram, because it never works in reverse. The, the tithe and the offering is always given to one greater than oneself. And that would fit with each of the epic periods that we've looked at. Now notice in this, it's following Abram's victory over a group of different kings. So he's come off this military victory, uh, this tithe that's mentioned here appears to be voluntary, that, that there's no command for this, uh, but Abram is so moved that he gives a tenth of everything and, and sees this more in terms of a vow, which still follows many of the same guidelines we find for tithing and giving in the Old Testament. Now, what we do not have any evidence either way of is, did Abram continue to tithe to Melchizedek, or was this a unique example? More a vow, a response to something that just happened. That we don't know. The other example you have in the book of Genesis, the only other example of what we might consider a tithe, is involving Jacob. So if you look with me at Genesis chapter 28, Genesis chapter 28, and we come upon Jacob here uh, after he has deceived Esau out of his birthright. He has fled. Uh, you may recall that he spends the night and sees this vision, this dream at Bethel uh, with this, the ladder stairway going up into heaven. And so it's in that context when he wakes up, you have in verses 20 through 22, 
uh, a, a tie that is mentioned and sounds very similar in certain regards to Abram's tithe or vow. So let me read verses 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to drink and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, fitting the response here, this appears to be voluntary, at least this case. Uh, we do know in scripture that Jacob does return to Bethel or Bethel. We do not have any record in scripture. Does he keep this vow? And, and does he keep this vow? And is it something he repeats? We, we do not know that. But what we can conclude based on these two examples before the Mosaic law is that tithing and giving was all about worshiping God correctly and responding to him appropriately. So in this case, we see, again, tithing or giving was all about worshiping God according to God's guidelines and responding to God appropriately. So God blesses Abram, he responds appropriately. Uh, the example with Jacob here can be a little questionable because it's almost like Jacob is doing what he did with Esau, sort of trying to bargain and get something out of this. Because he's like, well, God, you do this for me, and then I'll do this. And I think all of us would be a little cautious in saying, yeah, that's the example we should follow. You know, that God, I'll put this in the offering plate if you'll do this, this, and this for me. But he gives a tithe. He gives a tenth. And so we can conclude that certainly from an Old Testament perspective, these elements of tithing being a means of honoring God, of, of responding to God appropriately in worship, of responding to his goodness and his grace to us, is a clear teaching in the Old Testament on this subject. But what we haven't really answered yet is, well, how does all of that relate now to New Testament giving, to, to New Testament tithing? Uh, is there continuity? Is there discontinuity? And that's what we'll try to pull together next week when we take a look at New Testament teaching. Because our, our heart's desire should be we want to be fully mature in Christ. We, we want to understand clearly what does scripture teach in this area? What would be the guideline for each of us? And maybe in anticipation of not just reflecting on what we just looked at this morning, but thinking ahead to next week, maybe put before you this thought. Think of the subject of tithing and giving more from a stewardship perspective than an ownership perspective. Think of it more from the perspective of being wise stewards of everything that has come from God, rather than the ownership perspective. Like, well, all this is mine. Well, what part do I want to give? 
or should I give to God out of my resources? Uh, and so I, I hope you'll kind of look through this again, uh, pray on it. And then next week when we'll continue in worship in the same thought, we'll, we'll look at the New Testament. And I believe we'll, we'll find the answer that, that we all need in the guideline uh, to be able to honor God. Uh, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the instructions that you give us in your word, uh, that they are clear, that they are simple, as long as we rely upon your Holy Spirit uh, to lead us and direct us into your truth. And so I pray as we seek to be obedient in this area, to continue, Lord, maybe our obedience in this area, uh, that you would go before us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.